This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, join my host, Nick. No, Dan, it is an early morning episode, so Dan has earned the right to sleep in. Uh, Nick, but we are here for another Matt Loss special. Nothing to talk about uh, since returning from the United States, where we got to hang out with Matt across the U.S., yeah, I, I mean, the major question, Matt, is are you recovered? I am recovered. I am recovered. I came back and actually I had a week off last week and I got COVID in my week off. Oh, man. That wasn't the greatest week off when I got back, but um, I'm okay now. I'm all right. So I don't know whether that was starting while I last saw you and wasn't feeling too great in Orlando. Um, but yeah, we last seen in the Orlando mix zone, weren't we, when everyone was a little bit grumpy. Turns out nobody wanted to stop in the mix zone after that one. Yeah, funny that. Funny how that hmm. happens. Well, yeah, it was definitely fun uh, getting to hang out in person um, and and doing the live pod. So thank you for supporting us with that. Uh, but look, listeners, obviously we're going to be talking about all the latest goings on with Chelsea uh, from the ins and the outs, all transfer time as we literally are days away from the Premier League season kicking off yet again. Um, but first and foremost, Matt, congratulations on the Lionesses for winning an, a European Cup. Yeah, I feel a bit of a fraud because I was with you guys, wasn't I, in the States when most of it was going on. And I'll be honest, while I was in the States and the time difference and everything, I think I, I watched a little bit of the Spain game. I remember we were in Charlotte when the Spain game was on, when they came back from 1-0 down. Um, and that was, I think that was just before we had to come out for a match. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so I'd really not seen it. I'd been following the coverage, but not seen a lot of it. And then sat down and watched the final and absolutely loved it. But I do feel a little bit of a fraud joining in with the celebrations because a lot of it happened while I was away. Yeah, it was just uh, a bit of an unfortunate timing with the summer tour. But uh, yeah, I mean, massive, massive shouts to all of the Chelsea players who were involved uh, in that team. I mean, there was a, a great video that surfaced yesterday of... Uh, them kind of identifying Emma Hayes on the, on the sideline and doing a big group hug, which was really nice to see. And uh, I mean, it was just a a brilliant, brilliant way to cap off a, a great tournament. Hopefully uh, that will translate into WSL and, and uh, Women's Champions League viewers this season. Well, you guys have been great supporters of it all. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely a Johnny lately to, uh, to women's football, but there's no doubt I'll be taking a greater interest this season than I, I probably ever have done. So um, I, I do, I, yeah, I, like you guys, I hope, I hope there's a legacy to it. That, that would be even bigger than winning the, the tournament, I think. Absolutely. For sure. yeah. I mean, we saw that here in the States with the women. So we're so excited um, at the opportunity that does exist. And uh, I love hearing the calls and the investment and the excitement. I mean, 87,000 people at Wembley, that is magical no matter what. Um, but anyways, we, we should uh, go ahead and continue uh, quickly on to the biggest story at the moment. And apparently, Chelsea are willing to go where no Manchester City will. A 40-plus million valuation of a Mark Cucurella? Matt, what is going on? This went from not even on the radar to uh, seems like it's pretty hot in the kitchen on this one. Yeah. I mean, it, it actually reminds me a little bit of the, the, the Koulibaly one. Although, in fairness, Koulibaly had been written about in dispatches all through the summer before he joined. He was always on the list of targets. Uh, Cucurella wasn't wasn't really one of those players that that we have, uh, as the media, have been all over. 
Um, I mean, Tuchel has has sort of had an interest, a historical interest in him in the past. I think they're actually quite interested in taking him from Barcelona before he pitched up at Brighton. Um, but it's it's moved very, very quickly. I mean, look, I, as I said to you, I was off last week, so I've, I've had a bit of a watching brief on things. And I was just reading everything about City, sort of assuming he'd, he'd probably end up at City. And then over the weekend, that, that fell through. And, and City are generally good to their word on this. They generally do put a valuation on players. And when they walk away, they walk away. Happened with Maguire, happened with Sanchez, happened with Ronaldo. None of those turned out great for Man United. So let's hope Cucurella turns out better for Chelsea. But they, they've said they've walked away on Cucurella and aren't coming back. And like I say, they're generally good to their word. And Chelsea appear to have acted very quickly on it. I'm told that personal terms with the player are already agreed. I would add that Chelsea have agreed personal terms with a lot of players this summer who haven't <laughs> actually ended up signing famously. Um, but but contracts, I know, uh, were being looked at yesterday, that being Monday. I think there were more talks today, Tuesday. And all the signals are this this should be wrapped up pretty quickly. There isn't, there isn't anything there to suggest that there could be a late hitch as we've seen otherwise, but this window has made me very, very yeah, wary. Let's say let's let's knock on wood for, for old time's sake, huh? Um I, I I think the the interesting part about Kukurea is is although it seems like a perfect wing back fit, you know, if, if you were to somehow offload Emerson and Alonzo, which is no uh, easy feat, it seems like that there's also some positional flexibility with playing left center back. Have you heard anything about his, his rotational ability? Should we not be able to sign any of our other center back targets? Look, that's, that's for sure. That is, I know for a fact that that is a big attraction of him. A big attraction is being able to um, use him in different positions, being able to change formations within games, being able to, to not even, I don't even mean by changing formations within games and making substitutions, you can also change. You can actually change from a back three to a back four within possession and out of possession. We see teams do that all the time now, where you look at a team and it's actually hard to know whether they're playing a three or a four because in possession they're one and out of possession they're the other. Um, I spoke to someone last night who was who was waxing lyrical about the, the options he would give to call both within a game, both formations with a game, both in terms of substitute squad strength. So the adaptability is definitely there. I mean, he played on the left side of a back three at Stamford Bridge, I think, last season uh, and was probably man of the match. I mean, Brighton actually played Chelsea off the park twice last season um, and, and he was excellent. And that will have only sort of strengthened Tuchel's, Tuchel's desires. Yeah, there's a lot there to like. Um, the five subs thing is massive. I think people haven't really cottoned on properly yet to the, this, this five subs thing as well. It's going to be huge. It's going to make the game quite different, I think, um, in terms of how managers approach games and, and what they can do within games. And also, Tuchel spoke to us a lot. He spoke about it again to us in the States, about the importance of the wing-backs. He wanted extra wing-back cover. I think it was shown last season when Chile and Reese both got injured that actually the wing-backs, in, in, certainly when Tuchel plays a three, the wing-backs are arguably the most important position in the whole, on the whole pitch. Pochettino used to think that with Tottenham, uh, Pep thinks so highly of his fullbacks, and Tuchel seems to be cut from the same cloth. So, while you look at it, when you initially look at it, you might think, "Oh, they've got Ben Chinwell." When you actually start to break it down and dissect it, it makes an awful lot of sense, actually. 
I think this the problem is that you have so many left-footed players already. So it's like we're going to add one to this table. So surely this is like the release valve, right, where one to two can go as well, Matt? Yeah, yeah I mean, look, um, Malang Sar is in talks with Monaco as we speak over joining them, I think probably on loan initially. I don't know whether that would have an option or an obligation. Um, he's obviously one of the left-footed players in, in that defence. And I think first... First thing first will be that he will be allowed to go. Cucurella comes in. And then obviously one or both of Alonso and Emerson, you would imagine, will will end up leaving. And we know that Barcelona want Alonso. I think Emerson has some um, some interest from Lazio, um, from an ex-Chelsea manager. So, yeah, there's, there's options there for them as well. So I, I would expect at least two of those left-footed players, if not all three, to, to end up leaving by the time the transfer window shows. I guess the last note of implication here is if you are bringing in Gugure as a you know potential left center back solve, which you know isn't going to likely be his only role on the team. But thinking about someone like Levi Colwell, is there any sort of like swap involved here where Colwell goes on loan to Brighton as a part of this deal, or is it just straight cash and we're going to deal with Colwell in a in a separate instance? Yeah, I think it'll be separate, but I do think the talks will have included Colwell. I don't, I don't think he will be involved in the initial transfer, um, but I, I think for sure that Brighton like him from what I hear and that there could be a deal to be done there. I would expect that it's more likely that, that Colwell would go in a separate transfer with a buyback clause, um, and whether that be to Brighton or somewhere else. Brighton probably now looks the most obvious but whether it ends up being somewhere else i I will probably leave um but we'll leave with a buyback clause on him if if he goes permanently rather than alone i don't see him going as part of a deal they're just they're so hard to do agents hate it because it splits up the agent's fees i think there are tax issues around doing player trades as well which i don't properly understand there's all kinds of little odd things and so rarely now that happens. You tend to find if a player moves in the other direction, it's just in a separate deal. But you think it's less likely that he goes on loan, more likely that he's sold with buyback at this point? I think so. But that that's that that's a bit of a sort of best guess, to be quite honest with you. I don't know for sure. I, I certainly think whether he goes, however he goes, there will be a mechanism for Chelsea to get him back. Let's put it that way. Whether it be through a loan or a buyback. So I don't know if you guys heard Barcelona on the old uh, factory line or pulling levers, and apparently the third one's been activated. So, uh, Matt, if that is true, is it a formality that Alonso is going to go to Barcelona? Or Chelsea trying to keep him? I I, I would be surprised once, if and when Cucurella comes in whether Chelsea are fighting tooth and nail to keep him. I do think there's some... Tuchel hinted at this in Orlando, actually, and I thought it was a really interesting point. I think there's some frustration from Chelsea's perspective that they 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 seem to expect to pick Aspilicueta and Alonso up for sort of very nominal fees. And actually, when you look at uh, what they paid for the players and also what Chelsea have spent on on someone like Koulibaly and the contract they've given him, um, Chelsea's valuation is probably quite a lot different to, to Barcelona. So there still might have to be some room for negotiation there. But it's fairly clear that Alonso would like to go there and I don't see that many other realistic options coming up. So 
like I say, it might drag for a while, but at this stage, I would expect by the end of the transfer window to probably make that move. So much for the Real Madrid blood flowing through his body. <laughs> uh, I guess he did have family on both sides. Uh, Nick, I'm going to let you take on the next one, Mr. Fafana himself. Uh, I think you've been quite in tuned on a lot of this one. Uh, huge credit to uh, CFC Central and Dan for putting out kind of a defensive prospects pod uh, previously where they go really in-depth, unsurprisingly, on uh, one Wesley Fofana. Yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of the, the next hottest name on the list. Um, Matt, I mean, per your latest piece, you indicated that Chelsea would need to make a pretty substantial bid of 80-plus million pounds. It's a 10th Leicester to sell. Obviously, Fofana is a, a young uh, future France star. Like, I mean, this is a, a, a real interesting prospect for for Chelsea so can you kind of just talk generally about what the what the transfer might look like and in, in the timeline yeah they've liked Fafana for a long time to be honest with you they've, they've sort of toyed with bidding for Fafana for best part of a year almost really um they I I, I would only assume they've even followed him before he, he he actually joined Leicester and then have been very impressed with when he has played in the Premier League albeit he's had a, a long injury um, I'm slightly, the only thing that surprises me about this is the fact that it, it, it seems to have come around late. You know, they've missed out on others. I'd, I'd have thought if they were going for Fafana, they'd have had this one at the start of the window. That's the only thing I can't quite get my head around about this. Why were they not making a hard to play for him at the start of the window? Because he doesn't really look like a backup option. He looks like a sort of frontline option. Um, but they've certainly received some encouragement from his agent, I would suggest. Um, and maybe that encouragement has only come recently, and therefore that's that's piqued the interest up. There's there's some there's some confusion over a supposed gentleman's agreement when he signed his last five year contract to, at Leicester, which I don't think he signed maybe less than a year ago. Um, there was some sort of gentleman's agreement that Leicester would would uh, listen to a fair price from it. All sounds a little bit Harry Kane-ish. This. Um, and the Leicester end of things seem to be suggesting that that gentleman's agreement was for the summer of 2023. I've spoken to people who don't think there was any sort of date put on it. And it was just a gentleman's agreement that he feels that a, a fair offer should be listened to him whenever. And that was his condition of signing his last contract. So there's a bit of to and fro and over that. Leicester will not make this easy for anybody. Um, as you say, I wrote over 80 million. Some people think even closer to 90, 100 million they'll try and hold out for. Um, so it's not going to be easy, but there does seem a feeling and there seems um, some sort of legs to the fact that Fafana and his agent are, are interested in this move. Um, and the hope at Chelsea will be that that actually ends up driving this a little bit, that over over time, Fafana's will, if it's as strong as a few people think it is, will will get the better of Leicester's hope of holding on to him. There are so many other factors in this, though, because it's very clear that Leicester need to sell players uh, to right. do some market. Um, but they obviously have Newcastle very interested in James Madison. So Newcastle have now made two bids for James Madison that have been rid I struggle to see a scenario where Leicester sell Madison and Fafana, Fafana with less than one month of the transfer window 
And so they might have to take a decision on which one they sell as well. So there's a, there's, there's lots of elements to this, which make it difficult, but not impossible at all. I would say Leicester seemed to be pretty good at identifying center back targets. I mean, Soyuncu, Chu, uh, you know, back in the day, they had a renaissance with uh, Johnny Evans, I, you would think they'd be better, maybe suited to replace him. But I tell you, it looks like Fofana is at least making it difficult on Lester Nick. He's removed Lester City from his <laughs> Twitter profile, which I know this is all semantics and stuff, but like the clubs pay attention to that. He actually liked one of our tweets talking about CFC Central <laughs> breaking him down and then unliked it. We have the screenshot, it is official. Oh, no. And you then, have to- uh, what I would say, we don't know that Fafana takes charge of his own social media. I would say... But he 75- pays them. <laughs> he does. I would say 5% of these guys don't take charge of their own social he, media. He just it's dangerous, posted... A- he's putting too much stock on what happens on their social media, believe me. And then you get this stuff too, Matt, as I'm putting it, his story of him with the thinking emoji on his Instagram <laughs> story. I'm just saying uh, there seems to be in the last 48 hours at least some agitations yeah. to at least bring Lester back to the, the transfer table. Look, when it's Chelsea players doing this, obviously we hate it. It is a little bit of like meddling on their side. But look, he might be angling just to get you know, I don't know, back in talks with Lester or something, but it definitely, he's doing like the basics of, of far of like, oh, I've got a bit of an itch. Do you guys want to talk about it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other interesting thing that I should point out as well is that, um, look, well, I've just said that player trades are very unlikely and they always are very unlikely, but whether there's anything that can be done with the fact that Brendan Rogers supposedly, again, this, this feeds into Cucurella and, and Brighton, Brendan Rodgers apparently likes Levi Colwell. He's chased Levi Colwell for some time. Our, our guy who covers Leicester City is very good. Also thinks that Brendan Rodgers is a big fan of Callum hudson Adoy's. Um, whether there's business to be done around those two players, not necessarily as part of the same deal, but as part of some sort of bid for Fafana. The one I'm told who will not go the other way in any sort of negotiation or transfer is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Um, he is absolutely determined to stay at Chelsea and continue to fight for a place. I think he was he was pleasantly surprised by how much he played last season. And I think he thinks he can play a lot of games this season. Again, particularly with the five substitute rule, which which people again shouldn't overlook. So I don't see Loftus Cheek going there, but whether either of the other two could go there and, and Fafana move the other way, there's certainly interest from Brendan Rodgers in those two players. Nick, it at least seems that Bully's getting creative and he's willing to wheel and deal. He's looking at all the options, uh, like I said, if not player trades, but like using players, you know, to go in the opposite direction at, at rates. He he seems creative as far as his deal making. Uh, I mean, it's it's clear that he's kept some of the avenues, all of Lester open from, from the previous ownership and that he's opened some new ones along the way. I think that's been fun. I mean, I, I guess... Matt, on the on the Leicester point, Chelsea have done a ton of business with Leicester in the past. Um, some good, uh, some less than good. Um, not not naming names there, but um, I guess just given that context and the fact that you know Leicester have have done pretty well uh, to to work with Chelsea, does does that increase the chances of anything happening? Does like past success indicate indicate future success? I don't think so. No, not on, not on a not on a deal like this. It, it's it's too big and too important to both clubs. I don't think 
Look, if they had a terrible relationship with Leicester, it obviously wouldn't help. But I don't think they've got any great advantage. And as you say, you know, most most of the people who would have had those relationships with Leicester have now moved on in any case. Um, Marina, it would have been dealing with John Rudkin a lot. She's no longer dealing with any of it. Um, what what Bowley has been clever at doing is, is forging relationships. You know, we saw that he tried to get some of the Premier League chairman together when he was back in England for a dinner that he hosted. It's become a bit of a joke now that he went for dinner with Laporte. He's, he's trying to foster those relationships so that when he has to call people about players or whatever, he's not calling them cold and they don't really see know what the number is coming up on their phone and things like that. And he's had to do that quick. This was always going to be an imperfect transfer window. Always. It was always going to be chaotic. It was always going to have an element of naivety about it. It was always going to involve some hits and some misses. And, and really, it's the process of how Chelsea get to where they end up doesn't really matter in this window. They've just got to finish in a good place. Yeah. Um, and that's still achievable. That We see from the targets, you know, Cucurella looks a good signing. Were they to get for Farnham, I think everyone would agree that that would be an incredible signing. Um, I still think they're in the market for forward. They, they can still finish this window very successfully. And I do think even with the misses and with the players they're going for and the bids they're making, it, they've, they've pretty much underlined their ambition, I think. There's, there's not been any sort of penny scraping or cost cutting by them within all this. Particularly as they they seem to be willing to almost pay players to leave as well, let alone anything else. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, one one of those players, and I think this is a bit of a different scenario given the service of the club, is is Aspilicueta. I mean, is there, you know, Fafana, Colwell, you're starting to replace some of the, the Rudiger Christensen movement from, from earlier this summer. Uh, is that kind of creating a pathway for him to leave? I know that, you know, that's been the uh, worst kept secret of the summer for Chelsea. My sense is, is that Chelsea will eventually let him go, but they're, they're not going to make it easy for Barcelona given the summer they've had with Barcelona. And given the fact that Barcelona haven't come in with a particularly good bid so far, I do still think that come the end of August, he probably will go, but the process, as I say, won't be made easy. It was very clear in America it became crystal clear that Aspie clearly is quite keen to go. He wasn't allowed to talk to the media at all. He passed us in Orlando and was very polite and pleasant, as he always is, but he said, this is not the time for me to talk to you. I'm sorry. Um, it was just crystal clear. You know, club captain goes on tour. He's normally talking all the time. He wasn't put up for any club responsibilities. It, it's obvious. And Tuchel's made it obvious in what he said as well that, that, Aspie has told him I'd like to go, um, but they've just not been in a position to let him so far. I, I do think, I hope that resolves itself as well. Otherwise, I, I think it could be a, a, a difficult season for Aspilicueta if it doesn't. So I, I think, I think given it might stretch right till the end of August, but again, I think Chelsea will get enough players in that that will be allowed to happen, and it, I think it would be the right thing as well. Uh, well, obviously he's earned. Uh, a lot of things, but at the end of the day, that we need right-sided players. Uh, we have 27 left-sided, but not so much on the right. Um, I, I, just to bring it back to Fafana, uh, I'm assuming he's still not the only target. There's still Skriniar, Kilman, Simakin, Badishil. I mean, is that what you're hearing? Are there other targets? 
Yeah, I mean, look, there are, there are other people. There are still some of the old... I mean, you mentioned Skriniar. There are still some of the old targets. I mean, don't be surprised if at some point in this window, Chelsea end up going back to one of their sort of old targets. I mean, I was, I was, I was off last week, but I was actually told last week that lines of communication with Nathan Ake were still open. I actually think they've since closed because Laporte's got injured for Manchester City and this Cucurella thing has overtaken it. And I, I, I suspect that's probably pretty much ended that one. But it just shows that, you know, they'll go back to people. You know, if Skriniar still hasn't got a club in, in the next week or so, if PSG haven't sorted out that one, there's no reason to suggest why Chelsea won't go back to that one. Kimpembe, they were hot on for a while and then have shelved it completely. Again, I would guess that that's less likely to come back up now. But these people who were, were targets earlier in the window, who for whatever reason ended up just staying put and nothing's really happened with them. There's no reason why Chelsea can't go back to them. But I, I certainly think that will be, other than um, and if it's not for Fana, there'll be another defender, whether it be an old target or, or someone they have to go for fresh. And Dumfries keeps going away as well. Dumb, and and that, yeah, I guess that, that was going to be my question for you, Matt. Is like obviously you saw Ruben spent time at right wing back last season. It seems to be the area in which he's thrived the most uh, under Tuchel at Chelsea. Does his kind of reemergence there provide cover for Reese? And if so, does that kind of end the Dumfries rumor mill? No, I don't think it does end it. I think it's 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 something there that, that Tuchel's got at his disposal. Um, I, I think it's an imperfect solution in Tuchel's mind. Otherwise, I don't think he'd have been bothering chasing these sort of players who can play at sort of right wing back or, or allow Reese to play at right centre back or or juggle it around. Um, no, I think I think the interest in Dumfries stands, um, and yeah, he would a bit like Cucurella in a way. He would be one where you look at to start with and think, mm, don't really know why they're going for him. But then if you sort of break it down and juggle up the options, it it would give them a lot of options again provide quite a lot of cover so there would be some sense so I'm less keen on that one I've got to say than the Cucurella one and I'm less keen of the prospect of Reese spending too much time at right centre back because I just think he's the best right wing back in the game agreed uh you you also said that we could ask you about strikers so we're yeah. we're doing it tell us about strikers <laughs> well I can't give you a name but I know for a fact that they're still actively looking at, at forwards and strikers and I do think that once they get the defensive situation which it's clearly the priority. Once that's sorted out, I do think they will return to the forward areas before the end of the window. Now, we know that Leipzig have shown an interest in taking Timo Werner back. Um, we wait to see whether anything can be done there because his, his wages are definitely difficult. It's, it's, they're very, very high. And I don't think it's a simple deal to do. But if they, they could find a, a good deal for Timo particularly, um, then I do think there's a realistic chance that they'll they'll sign another forward. And they're certainly looking at options. I've heard a very interesting name that I can't share with you, I'm afraid, because I'm not even allowed to write it in the newspaper. I've been sworn to secrecy on it. Um, which tells me that they still want a goal scorer, that they still think they're short of a goal scorer. And they've certainly got half an eye on someone. And I, I'm sorry, I just can't share the name, but it shows that that is an area that stays live and realistic at the moment. And they haven't just completely um, sort of taken their eye off the ball on it. Well, it's good to know that, uh, you know, um, Todd Bully's still cooking. 
All right. He's not going to be done, which is kind of crazy. I think we might have six or so new signings in the team this season. Um, but in order to balance the books, obviously need to be some departures. So let's go ahead and take our ad break. Uh, we'll hear a message from the sponsors when we're back. Uh, we're probably going to talk about Timo and Leipzig and, and what that might be. So thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. And we'll be right back. All right. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well... It's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in. You know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and, and fat. And now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable, resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and aging all of the things again i do it it's easy it's fast it's quick uh throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work drink it 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 goes down quickly uh and like i said you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily uh, but hey don't listen to me athletic greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews it's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as tim Ferriss and michael Gervais. so right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills supplements to look out for your gut health to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say, give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Matt, you brought it up. You said it, not us. We're talking about thinning out the squad because the, clearly there's a need to decrease the squad size of touch. We saw it even in the U.S., just weird squad imbalances and things like that. We're really starting to see, I think, not wrongly, but some of the um, the heads physically being turned, some of the attitudes being changed. Uh, so uh, the first one is, is Timo. I think the, the Leipzig rumors are quite strong. Um, Juventus is kind of sniffing around as well. Um, but it looks like maybe because of his wages, at least alone initially, is the fastest way to move him. Is that what you're understanding? Well, look, this is what they're facing with almost all of the players they'd like to get rid of, is that, that the wage issue and the lack of money in the market overseas. I mean, up until sort of a week ago, they they hadn't received a bid on really anybody, and they still haven't received like firm bids, as it were. You know, clubs are coming in, seeing whether sort of deals can be done on people, which... You know, take the case of Kepp would require Chelsea still paying 75% of his wages um, alongside re re receiving some quite small loan fees. So it's only now that clubs are starting to see whether some deals are to be done, um, which really don't actually involve a lot of them offering to pay Chelsea for permanent transfers. That presents a problem in itself because Chelsea can only loan out eight players over the age of 21 this summer under the new rules. Um, rules were brought in where it's eight loanees over the age of 21 who aren't club trained. So Chelsea have got to keep an eye on that as they start to agree these loans as well because it could end up with someone getting stuck uh, who they can't sell. So they've got to weigh that up. But yeah, Timo certainly 
Leipzig have, have definitely shown an interest in taking him back. I don't think uh, Tuchel wants to let him go if there's no one coming in. Um, I think there are probably forwards Tuchel would let go before Timo without anyone coming in. I think, for instance, Ziyech would be allowed to join AC Milan without necessarily somebody coming in. Uh, whereas T- Timo is still someone who can play that number nine role. And, you know, they don't really have a number nine as such at the moment. So he's being careful on that. Um, so he's he's definitely an interesting one. And as I said before, in terms of forward, I do think if Timo does go, it will it will be coincide with maybe a forward coming in. Uh, we, we've seen rumors of a loan to Juventus, a sale to Leipzig, another... Uh, player swap, which you know, again, you've you've said are are not very realistic in this in the current marketplace. But Guardiola obviously plays for for Leipzig, and that could be you know a potential option or make weight if they don't want to pay a full fee. Is are you hearing anything about some sort of swap? All I all I hear on Garvidal, and you can say his name better than I can, is that the Leipzig seem insistent that he's not for sale. I mean, we hear that all the time when clubs end up selling players, but. He was, he was a name right at the start of the window. I was hearing a lot, you know, a lot of people were telling me that Chelsea Chelsea and other clubs absolutely loved him, that he's, he's seen as being one of the really bright, young defensive stars in world football. Um, but nobody's really gone hard on him because they all seem to have got the same message in terms of bids, bids seem to be pointless. It feels like there's been conversations around him again with, with Timo and, and Leipzig coming up. But if Timo goes to Leipzig, it looks like it would just be him going there and probably on loan. I just, I can't see how Leipzig would have the money for a, a permanent transfer alongside his wages and everything else that entails. It seems impossible to me, um, unless they're a lot, a lot better off than I'm aware of. Same with Juventus, really. So, I mean, Juventus had been linked with Pulisic as well, but we discussed off air that the Pulisic links have gone very, very quiet. Again, I think Tuchel would let him go if there was a, if there was a proper offer for him, but there doesn't seem to have been a proper offer yet. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, you know, Timo, huge, huge role in the Champions League run-up and in that season, more on the assists than the goals. Um, and then really didn't do a lot last season. I mean, it was just kind of weird how it all went. But it it definitely seems like it has gotten to the point where Timo is not in the plans of Tuchel. And now um, the goal-scoring uh, situation is something that's going to have to be figured out because it can't only be Kai the whole time. Um, but then starting to let players like Hakim Ziyech go as well, I think makes a little bit of an interest. I think it seems like Todd and or Tuchel have at least opened the doormat to a lot of those attackers to say, you know what, if anyone's interested, come to the table. We're open for business. We're willing to listen to offers and to deal. Um, because like you said, if they're willing to let Ziyech go without really worrying about bringing someone else in, um, that's good for Callum. That's good for Christian. Uh, but a- again, it seems like we've also linked Callum to potentially Lester and, you know, Christian is also in the shop window. Should someone come in with an appropriate fee? Yeah, but they're not, or they're clearly not all look, there's, there's not going to be bids on all of them, quite frankly, because all of them have been pretty disappointing for a while. So there's one point. And secondly, even if they were, they, they're not just going to suddenly turn around and sell a lot of them. It's a case of seeing what's there, what can be done how that weighs up against what's coming in and, and everything else. But they're all sort of, as you say, open to offers. I think as well, it's, it's worth mentioning on Timo. We spoke to him in the States. It was very clear, Timo, I, Timo's ready to leave. You know, Timo 
He's, I really like Timo. Actually, you know, I, I would say go as far as saying Timo's a great guy. I really, I've always talked to him and never spoken to him. He's honest. He's forthright. He's taken the Mickey out of himself a bit. I just like the guy. He tries hard. Um, but it's clear he's ready to leave, and it's very clear with the World Cup coming that he's he's a bit worried of his World Cup place should he stay at Chelsea as well. So. I, th- I think of all of them, it, w- it would probably be good because I don't think Timo is going to be in a great place if he stays and has a similar role as to what he had last season. Definitely a peripheral role, without a doubt. Um, I think it's just because his chance easy, Matt, but there were more Timo chance than I think any other player. And again, I think that was just because it's the <laughs> easiest one for them. Uh, but he got his name chanted at every single location. Uh, anyways, what about... People like a trier, don't they? Even if one he plays does. on. He everybody does. Yeah. What about Billy Gilmore and Mishi Batshuayi? There's a, yeah. a one former uh, Chelsea player. Uh, legend. Verified legend. And now uh, Evertonian manager who might be doing a little double swoop alone for Billy and maybe a buy for Mishi, which honestly, if he buys mm-hmm. Mishi, I think he's just like still has the club's best interest in his heart. Yeah, <laughs> I don't see him coming in for Batshuayi. I don't quite know where that link's come from. Maybe I'll look silly on this because I haven't actually sort of checked it out at Everton's end, but I just don't see that one. Billy, for sure, I can see. Billy, Billy, I'm 99% sure will leave on loan again at some point in this window. And if you're ask me, asking me today where I think he'll go, it would, it would be Everton. I know Everton have got other targets. They've got quite a few midfield targets, and I think they're waiting to see how the market pans out because a lot of those midfield targets, I think they fear, won't become available until later in the window, maybe once it's become clear they're not getting the playing time at their clubs. But I think that it's interesting that Chelsea are trying to sign... Uh, Chelsea, Everton, are trying to re-sign Idrissa Gay because from what I'm told, Lampard thinks Gilmore can play brilliantly alongside somebody with legs, somebody who gets around the pitch, basically N'Golo Kante. He needs legs next to him. I know that there was a feeling that the reason he didn't do very well at Norwich, they just didn't have any legs in midfield and you need legs around Billy Gilmore. If Everton sign Rissa Gay like they're trying to, I actually think that would increase the chances of them then signing Gilmore alone because I could see Gilmore playing next to a Rissa Gay in a... In a I, or two on midfield three all day long because he would provide those legs. Um, so, yeah, I could well see Billy ending up on loan at, at Everton. And I think it would actually be great for him because it's very clear Frank absolutely loves him as a player. He loves him as a lad. I think he would be very encouraging for him. It might not go perfectly. You know, Everton might have a very bad season, but I don't see many better options out there for Billy Gilmore, to be quite honest with you. Well, on to onto Keppa, who mysteriously disappeared from the club website <laughs> on Monday. Uh, he was not the only one, by the way. That was just kind of a funny thing. Um, it seems like Napoli is, is the destination, although you mentioned that it would be a really favorable deal for Napoli in terms of, of wages, compensation, etc. Uh, any any updates on the Keppa train? Yeah, there's definitely talks. I, I, I can see this Napoli one happening, actually. Um, he didn't just mysteriously disappear from the website. He mysteriously disappeared from the tour slightly as well. You know, Ooh, you're not he, wrong. He just suddenly, all of a sudden, there was a weird hamstring injury and uh, Mendy was playing full 90 minutes in all of the games. And that felt significant to me. It felt like something had, had happened somewhere 
uh, along the way there. So, yeah, Kepa, Kepa, again, a bit like Timo, I think Kepa now is in a place where he really wants to leave. He really wants to try and make the World Cup. Um, I think he, I think the the fact he lost his place as the cup goalkeeper was, was quite significant for him as well last season. I think that probably put the, I, I don't like the term, it's a bit of a, a nasty term, but the sort of final nail in the coffin of his Chelsea career probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, if Chelsea are going to get rid of Kepa, they're going to have to pay a lot of money. Nobody's paying the sort of money that, that Kepa's on or anywhere close. I mean, he earns more than twice what, what Edouard Mendy does at Chelsea. I mean, this just puts into perspective how mad the wage structure at Chelsea has been um, and how mad the wage bill is. So, yeah, if they have to pay 75% of his wages to let him go, I think they will. If you look, I was looking at the Dodgers actually the other day. I, I do think they're an interesting reference point for Chelsea at the moment. And uh, shortly after the, the sort of takeover that, that Bowley was involved in of the Dodgers, they had a massive cull of players where they just basically paid players to leave. They just wrote off money after money after money to get players to leave. Their philosophy seems to be, if you can't sell them, still get them out. Do not hang around hoping the best happens. Um, and we're seeing this. I think we're going to see this more over the next month that they're, they're just willing to almost pay to get players out. Arsenal have just gone through it as well. It's, it's become a theme of clubs that if you have these, these players highly paid who haven't performed clubs are turning around saying Do you know what would actually pay to get rid of them than just have them sitting around doing nothing eating up the wage bill Kepa still has three years left <laughs> so uh that was a long contract so crazy yeah seven year contract wasn't it seven it years was on. which we yeah. just uh gave a six-year contract to uh a young american goalkeeper yes quite i don't know anything about him i've got to be honest with you I've it's got an interesting one. There. The other interesting point about Kepper actually is: um, Do you fancy Bettinelli as your second choice goalkeeper next season? Well, that's our question. I think a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. Um, I, the, I, the only reason I'm uncomfortable with it is because Tuchel hasn't shown any sign of having any faith in him because he correct. hasn't played him. He hasn't played him at all ever. You know, he hasn't. He didn't even get any minutes on the tour. Um, well, he, he did, but he let in an own goal. Yeah, Vegas. sorry. Yeah, quite. Yeah, I forgot the Vegas one. Um, but you'd think he's got more minutes. You, you you would have thought if there's a chance of him becoming second choice goalkeeper, he'd get a few more minutes. And I don't know whether Bettinelli's good, bad, or indifferent because I just haven't seen enough of him. But it would strike me that Tuchel doesn't rate him, and that would be my worry. So I think that was the weird part for me with that because when we were in Orlando, you know, Bettinelli didn't dress. And he came out at it before the pre-match, looking fresh, looking chill. Came out at halftime with a little coffee, just chill, relaxed. And again, you're like, Mendy A isn't playing well. And it's a small sample. But again, like there was no one getting serious minutes to split, even 45, 30 minutes here and there. Our goalkeeping unit is extremely fractured. It it doesn't look cohesive. Um, Marcus seems very comfortable with the third slash four string. He seems to be just along for the ride, being professional, doing whatever he's asked to, but there's definitely no one chomping at, at Mendy's heels and, and, you know, Mendy's getting a lot of minutes, but we all know that like, you need that second person, you know, Kepa came in and played well at times this season. And I'm sure that pushed on Mendy at times and things like that, but you need that healthy cohesive unit and the healthy balance is gone. 
um, where they are yeah. not all pushing each other on, at, you know, for the good of the team. And um, that's when you know you need to reshuffle that deck. I, I totally agree. And I would definitely argue that if Kepa goes, Chelsea need to sign a, go- a goalkeeper of some. Yeah. 100%. I think that that could be a massive problem. It sounds ridiculous because I've, you know, for so long we've been looking at ways of how Kepa could leave. And now it looks like they might have found a way and you, you you act like it's some kind of problem. But there's a potential issue there, you know, amend the injury or just the fact, as you say, we've seen so many times with goalkeepers that they need that number two pushing them and that they need to know that there's somebody there. And Mendy's form hasn't been top form recently as well, which is a, a little concern. So... Yeah, if I'm fully 100% of the opinion that if Kepa goes, they've got to sign a goalkeeper. Oh, is there, is, there, is there a name out there that you're like, man, no, for, for 10 million pounds, we can grab a guy? Is Emmy Martinez available? Do you know, Matt? <laughs> Good one, guys. Good one, guys. We'll, we'll quickly fall out if you start pushing that one. <laughs> I can't even think of anyone. I mean, sometimes I can think Bert of people. Leno is head. on the chopping block, but do you really want him? He's potentially going to Fulham. Yeah. No. That's the only one I could think of. Yeah. And and it's interesting because if you look at the way Liverpool and City have gone with it, it used to be that a lot of these clubs would have the number one and then have a sort of number, quite an old number two experienced guy. You know, City had Brava for a while and blah, blah, blah. They've Willie Caballero, them. baby. Caballero. And obviously Caballero and Chelsea. But... They've gone the other way recently. They both have gone for young guys now. The, the sort of young, younger goalkeepers chomping at the bit who, who've got a bit more future ahead of them. It's interesting that they've taken a different view on it. And I wonder whether Chelsea will have to take that view on it too. No, I mean, we'll have to see. It's definitely something that needs to be addressed, I would say, very quickly uh, for sure. Because Slonina, he's not the answer either, even if you think you can wait till post-World Cup. I've not seen him play. I wouldn't know. Yeah. I'll be totally honest. I've never seen him play. Yeah. So I can't believe that. that I, I can't believe that they're not thinking uh, about this. But of course, Petr Cech would have been all over this uh, a few months and ago. And Lolishan. Hmm? And Lolishan. So, um, yeah, questions, questions for that department for sure. Uh, speaking of a, uh, a guy who's had a bunch of questions, uh, even on the tour, uh, Armando Broya. Um he had uh, an injury for most of the preseason, couldn't play. Uh, it was apparently kind of a weird uh, tackle challenge gone wrong, uh, but did get some minutes against Udinese in, in, uh, on the weekend, I should say, on Saturday. Uh, given the fact that Chelsea don't have another <laughs> option right now within the squad to play that role, is, is the feeling from you that he's going to stay, or is the is you know, the club's still trying to figure out a solution for him to, to leave. I think he stays for now. A lot will depend on what happens with the incomings and outgoings in the forward areas in terms of people going out and whether my sort of mystery unnamed forward or a different forward is is potentially signed before the, the window closes. If Brozier were to go, I think it would be very late in the window and I only think it would actually probably end up being a loan. Um, he doesn't count on the eight-man loan list, by the way, because he's young enough and I think he count as club trained too. So they don't have to worry about the numbers on the loan list for him either. So they've got flexibility around Breyer, which helps. Um, for now, he stays. For now, he stays. But the first two, three weeks of the season will prove pretty key to that, I would imagine, of, of 
what we see for the rest of the season with him. Again, you could keep him till January too and, and look at it again in January. People seem to be quite positive, Nick, with his first minutes in preseason. Yeah, I mean, I think as as of now, we haven't had a striker scoring goals yet. So I'm I'm kind of interested in and in why you would potentially just force a move out if you could potentially have a run at, at the starting gig. I mean, Kai was incredibly lethargic in preseason, so we'll we'll just kind of have to see how that goes. But uh, but I think there are minutes for him certainly as the season ramps up, and you know we all know what the September and October fixture list looks like. It's bananas. So I, I mean, if you're him, you you have a choice or chance here. I would say right now, better than you would have guessed at the beginning of the window. I agree. I mean, we've seen it with Ruben as well before, and, and obviously in a greater extent with, with Trevor Chalabert. But, you know, the, if you back yourself, these guys, there's, like you said, there's loads of get. There's going to be more games than ever up until the World Cup. You know, the, the schedule is going to get mad with the Champions League and the Cup competitions. And there's five substitutes, which I keep now banging on about. Um, so there's hmm. opportunities there. If I'm a brochure, I back myself. I'd do exactly what Ruben did last season and, Ruben kind of said to himself he'd give it till January and see where things were and he'd actually you know like I say was was getting enough minutes to to make it worthwhile his stay and I don't see why why Brazier wouldn't do the same to be honest with you I don't see him literally sitting doing nothing until January I just don't with the volume of games and, and Chelsea's options up front like I said unless the transfer market changes this unless the transfer market changes this but as we stand now you you would say by by default he will get chances let alone anything else uh, Ethan Ampadu, same boat. Yeah, he did. It seemed that Tuchel was impressed with him actually on tour. It seemed that he quite liked the options that he gave him. Um, yeah, similar boat, similar boat. Um, again, I think it will just be a case of looking to see how the recruitment goes a little bit and also how the shakedown goes in terms of who's in the squad for the first couple of games of the season. I could well see him going. Uh, before the end of September, but he he's he's probably he's probably the, the sort of what you would say the young player on the fringes who, who's maybe had the best preseason in terms of just making Tuchel think about judging by how Tuchel's talked about people. He he was the one who Tuchel seemed to take a little shine to in preseason. Well, the um, the bag of misfits: Barkley, Kennedy, Baba. Any takers? Baba. Wow, he's 28 now, Baba Rahman. I looked at this, and he's contracted till 2024. Matt Miatska's still there. Yeah, you're not wrong. Just astonishing. Really is astonishing. I don't know. <laughs> All right, what about Barkley? I think he's probably the most obvious one. Yeah, look, Bar- Barkley. You want him back at Villa? No. You can have him. <laughs> Absolutely not. He was on the bench at Villa. I mean... These guys, he disappeared. He was another one who disappeared in the tour, didn't he? Where did Barkley go in the tour? Um, I don't know. I don't know. They've got, they've got to get rid of these guys. They've got to get rid of these guys. I, I would be tempted to pay some of them off, you know, and just get rid. What's up with Kennedy? Can. He seems to just always, like, he got more minutes than some, like, like players that and you would expect well, to then. be there. Uh, and yeah. granted, he played out of position and did a shift, but, like, he featured a decent amount on the tour. Managers always quite liked Kennedy, actually, to start with. Conte quite liked Kennedy until he yawned in a meeting and got told off and, and 
that seemed to be the end of him. But I remember Conte at the start quite like Kennedy. Mourinho quite like Kennedy. He's got the sort of physical attributes to him. He's strong, he's powerful, he's athletic. Um, when you see him in pre-season, what I would say about Kennedy and credit to him, he always looks like he's trying really hard in pre-season. He always looks like he might get sent off in pre-season, quite honestly. But he, he looks like he's giving it everything pre-season. So I can kind of understand why managers quite like him. He's very versatile as well. But it tends to be once they get the people, once the squad is formulates, he, he usually gets squeezed out. And, you know, he was brought back last season and I can't remember how many minutes he got, but it was all pretty pointless. Um, and with Cucurella coming in, you can only see a loan. If they could get a permanent deal for, for Kennedy, they'd love to. I mean, I do wonder whether he's done enough to, to get himself a permanent deal somewhere. I'd have thought he's good enough to for someone to buy him. I mean, of the three, he's probably the most tantalizing prospect. But, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, that we'll just kind of end the transfer <laughs> there. We're going to end with with a little bit of look ahead to the season. The season starts this weekend, Matt. Uh, it's about two weeks earlier than we're used to because of the, uh, the Winter good. World Cup. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously we've talked about all the work that Chelsea had to do. So we're, we're going to, you know, keep that in mind, but it's not going to be the first thing on our, on our minds here. Um, just talk about Chelsea's prospects for the season. Uh, in your opinion, is this still a champions league qualification plus a cup type of team, or are they maybe going to have to reset their expectations for, for this season? No, I don't, I don't see why expectations shouldn't be to qualify for the Champions League and try and win a cup. I don't I don't think that they, they sort of fall out of that bracket of club at all. Um, I think it will be a tough season and I think it will be harder because uh, they've obviously had a few setbacks with players leaving. It's been a tough summer. Um, and I don't see them gaining an awful lot of ground on City and Liverpool, if I'm honest with you. And obviously Tottenham have improved, Arsenal have improved. But I still think... I still think over the course of a season at the moment, Chelsea probably got a little bit more than both clubs, um, particularly with the fact that you expect them to do more business. Their, their players are more used to uh, juggling Champions League and Premier League. I could see Tottenham and Arsenal having very fast starts to the season, actually. And then when the Champions League starts, particularly as it's going to be a gruelling Champions League up to the World Cup, they're getting all those um, group games out of the way. It will be very interesting to see how those two clubs cope then because they've not been used to it at all. Conte, we've seen in the past, is amazing at managing a team that's just concentrating on the league. But a team that's juggling Champions League and and the league, he he tends to have a few more difficulties with when he's not got that weekly ability to have the players on the training pitch. So I, I, I would still see Chelsea fighting for third or fourth place. I'd still see Chelsea hoping to maybe win a cup. Um... And that I do actually think, given what's been going on with the sanctions, with the summer, with the late nature of the takeover, with the fact they haven't had a sporting director and the people who have gone who have gone, I actually think that that would have to be seen as a good season for them. And, and that's where I see them. I, I've seen lots of predictions of sort of Chelsea finishing sixth, seventh. Personally, I don't see it. I think there will probably be chaotic spells of the season where things go horribly wrong. They might even not make the greatest start to the season. But I, I still see them challenging up third fourth fifth place i don't see them dropping below fifth place for sure um i guess yeah i mean i think that's a fair enough thing like uh, of the current squad just looking for one player 
which player needs to make the biggest statement for their for their career this season? Ooh, good question, because it's very easy to say someone like Callum and things like that, but we've been there with Callum before. I, I, I want to sort of talk about more somebody who's going to start a lot more games, who's more established, who really needs to step up, and it's Kai for me. That's what, exactly where my mind was going to. Yeah, it's his third season. And Tuchel's put a lot of faith in Kai. You know, last season he, he he had him in that number nine spot. It looks like he might end up starting the season in that nine, number nine spot. He cost, seventy, you know, deal worth 70-odd million. Generational talent. I've seen it for, for Germany. I haven't really seen it for Chelsea yet, other than in very small fits and bursts. I think it's a massive season for Kai. He needs to start justifying it now. I'm starting to put Mendy in that bucket too, Nick, based on how poor his preseason mm. was and how like bit shaky it was at the end of the last season, knowing how good he can be as well. I mean, it's the two ends of the pitch, right? You got to be rock solid defensively or you got to be banging in the goals or both. <laughs> I think I think the, the difference on Mendy is that Mendy is still a certain level, whereas... Well, I think what you're talking about in Mendy, are, are we really going to talk about Mendy as being one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League along with Allison and Edison? Or is he actually a level below? Because uh, he's got that, that stock in the bank where we still know he's a certain level, even when he's having little dodgy spells. That, this is my opinion, by the way. Um, but that, that's where I would agree with Mendy. If we're really going to have Mendy as one of the top goalkeepers, he needs to have a really top season. Otherwise, he's, we're probably thinking he's a good goalkeeper, but not a top, top goalkeeper. Yeah, the the addition of, of Kukurea potentially makes me think that, you know, Chilwell's injury is a little slower uh than than we would have anticipated. Um, you know, I think for someone that good to come in instead of just like a natural born backup would anticipate that Chilwell's only gonna play a, a bit this season, not as much as, as he's been accustomed to. So I kinda look at Chilwell giving him some grace, obviously, coming back from injury. As, as hopefully by the end of the season, he's really cranking again. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that would Chilwell, be enough time. At the very point he's probably likely to get to his fittest, he's going to have to go off and play a World Cup and then come back. And the World, the World Cup's going to have a massive impact on people. Oh, God. Um, so to have Cucurella there as well after the World Cup, I think will be, will be huge because you don't know what state players are going to come back from the World Cup. So you're going to need more options. You're going to need to catch very heavy squads. It's why, you know, some teams will have big advantages in in their squads that some of their big players, I'm talking Haaland, Salah, probably aren't going to have, you know, huge World Cup campaigns. Whereas other players like Kane at, at Spurs and obviously at, at Chelsea with people like Havertz, who probably will play every game for Germany, there's going to be people who are absolutely encanté with France. There's going to be others who are going to be absolutely flogged by the World Cup. It's going to make it, it it's going to make it very difficult to predict. Can't wait for that Hamas Rodriguez signing, baby. Come January. That'll be weird having a World Cup signing in January instead of over the summer. But, you know, there's always one impulse signing or three off a World Cup. So, anyways, Matt, thanks so much for hanging out with us. It's good to catch up. I'm glad you got a break post US. Thanks, guys. Speak soon. Deal. All right. We'll follow Matt, catch up on everything that's going on. Uh, but that's going to wrap us up. More content coming at you before the Premier League season kicks off. So, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Blue flag flying high.